Maddie. And welcome to the Millennial Minimalist. Today we are speaking about how to travel with intention, specifically how to navigate new destinations with a plan so that you can design your ideal trip. And to join us in this discussion is our special guest, Megan Anderla, the editor of Moon Travel Guides, which is a popular series of travel books that help you experience new cities as an explorer rather than a tourist, and inspire you to take in local spots rather than rushing and packing your days. We hope to inspire you to be more intentional when it comes to planning and navigating your next trip so that you can experience more and still take time to relax and wander. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Yeah, of course. Yeah, looking forward to speaking with you guys. We had the chance to read your guidebook, Moon, Florence, and Beyond. And we specifically chose that book because we went on a last-minute trip to Florence, Italy last summer. And we also recorded our first podcast there as well. Yes, where this whole thing started. Yeah, and honestly, it was like an amazing trip, but we could have planned it better. So... Like Lauren, like fully inspired us to bring like two little tiny carry-ons for the ten days that we were there. But we definitely could have simplified how we planned all of our days. So mm-hmm. that's really funny because the few times I've been in Florence, I totally left feeling I could have prepared better. So you know, lots of lessons to learn. I think. I think like <laughs> Florence. I think Florence, Italy. It's one of those places where. You're like, wow, this is so beautiful, and there's tons of shopping, there's tons of wineries, but then you're like, okay, so what else can I do? And I know that there are so many other hidden gems, and again, like looking into this book now, I'm like, whoa, like I wish I had this, I wish we had this before our trip. So so just to start off, I thought when it comes to traveling like a minimalist, many of us think about packing light, but we can also simplify how we plan our trips. So why do you think that the trip planning process can sometimes be stressful? And how can we become more conscious travelers? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And, you know, as millennials, we're used to growing up with the internet, which is such a great resource when you're planning for a trip. But it's also so overwhelming. You know, there's so many different blogs and sites, and then you have Yelp and you have Google. You know, you could spend ages just looking up different reviews and kind of not knowing how reliable the information is that you're getting or you know even if someone's really highly recommending something you know what if you don't agree with them so I think that feeling of there might be something else out there and you know who knows if you're getting the right information and how long you're supposed to spend preparing for a trip can be super overwhelming definitely Absolutely. Like when we went to Florence, we had planned to hit like all the touristy spots. And I know Lauren like, loves that kind of stuff. I like the tour. I like doing both. <laughs> so yeah. So what, but when it came to choosing like restaurants and nightlife and other hidden gems, as I said, we really didn't know where to go. And for me, like I've had a few friends who have been there before. So I asked for their recommendations. But for someone like my parents, for example, who maybe don't know anybody who's been there before they're kind of going into the city blind and I can see how these travel guides can be very helpful for them uh and I know that you guys also update every two to three years is that right yeah that's right um you know information changes so quickly and accuracy is really important in these guidebooks so that's something that we're committed to do for all of our books and yeah, and all of the authors are public, are from those destinations, right? So they're in, they're kind of enveloped in the area, so they would know it the best. Exactly, that's really important to me too. Um, not all guidebooks do this. Sometimes they'll hire a general travel writer and sort of parachute them into the destination that's being written about. Um, but we work really hard to find people who are embedded in the destination. Oftentimes, they're expats who 
you know, I'm always really jealous of their lifestyles who visited, say, Florence or Milan or Copenhagen and just fell in love and never left. So I think that passion really comes through in the books. You can really tell that they love the place. And the biggest problem that authors often have is writing too much, you know. If it were up to them, the books would be a thousand pages long because they love these destinations so much. Um, and I think that's really important. You know, you, in context, you're getting what these people really like about the books. So it's not it's not just generic. Um, it's not just, this is what you're supposed to do when you go to this destination. So, you know, here it is. So what's your favorite part about editing the guides and, and what made you decide to share them with the world? And have you done a lot of this stuff in the books as well? Yeah, um, I mean, I just love traveling, and I've had really good experiences, but I've also had experiences like we've been talking about where you just kind of feel like you're missing something, or looking back, you would have done things differently. So I'm just really passionate about, you know, people don't have that much vacation time, and they're saving up their money to go on these trips oftentimes, and I think it's really important to kind of get the clutter out and allow people to have the best trip they possibly can. So that's what I like most about these guidebooks is just taking the recommendations and great writing of these authors and then framing it and putting it into the best format that will like help people have the best possible time. A lot of people ask me if, if I get to travel a lot or like, as like an editor of travel guidebooks. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> um, I just have you know the same amount of vacation as a regular person. We were going to um, say, we're like, oh, you're probably the person to ask if we ever go anywhere because you know about everything. I mean, all your friends are editors of these books. so Exactly. I was going to say, I mean, it means I have a lot of connections with these authors and, you know, we have good relationships. So I have lots of recommendations and I have tons of wanderlust for sure reading these books so in a lot of cases I've been to the place but in some cases I haven't and um, it's definitely an advantage to be helping to edit a book that you've been for about a place that you've been to before but it's it's not necessarily necessary um, especially since these authors are such experts and once you've traveled a decent amount kind of know something about travel in general that can apply to a whole bunch of places even if you haven't been there yet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in this guide, you also, I really enjoyed the chapter titles because some of them, for example, it's get to know the real Florence, uh, savor the flavors, enjoy the nightlife, get outside the city, explore the city neighborhoods, you know, all those little hidden gems. But you specifically have a section titled Go at Your Own Pace. And we both love that because it inspires us to slow down and take time to take in local spots. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that we sometimes forget to carve out downtime when traveling? And why do you think it's so important to do so? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, like I was saying before, so many of us have so little vacation time. So I think there's this, you know, vacation pressure almost, which is the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing when you're traveling. You know, having a day to relax, it just seems illogical. It's like, I flew all the way here. Why would I, you know, not check something off my bucket list during this day? But I mean, besides that, I think sometimes traditional guidebooks almost encourage that go, go, go attitude. You know, instead of emphasizing staying, staying in one place or, you know, the ambient beyond, beyond guides, excuse me, really emphasize choosing a base and then doing day trips from there, you know, they'll kind of cover every place in a country or a region equally, which sort of, it sets you up to do a lot of traveling, you know, spending a night here, a night there, and not being able to really have very much downtime. So with these guides especially, we're trying to encourage people to pick a spot in a beautiful city that's maybe not an over-touristed neighborhood, 
go do the touristy stuff from there and then get out of the city as they want to with day trips. And we find that that's, or I found at least in my travels, that those are where the best memories from traveling come from anyway, is, you know, not necessarily seeing the David in uh, Florence, but, you know, that random cafe that you wandered into and then became friends with the barista. Absolutely. Like living like a local. That is the best. Exactly. No, I love that. And I feel like sometimes with travel, it's either you're going to this all-inclusive place, you know, in the Caribbean, and you're, after a few days, you're bored, like you're just lying on the beach drinking, or (laughs) you do this big trip, which it's jam-packed, and then you come back and you're more exhausted going back to work than when you left. So what... How much do you think you should schedule and plan and how much downtime should you have? Should it be like 50-50 or like what's your experience from traveling and from doing these guides? You know, it really depends on the person. I find that the what people consider to be a lot to do versus, you know, a lazy day really varies person to person. Yeah, I have friends true. who are like the most active pe- people possible and just want to keep going, going, going and actually are overwhelmed by relaxing. Um, and then I have other friends who kind of like you know, getting up by 10 on vacation feels like a struggle. So I encourage people to really go at their own pace and lean into what makes them happy and happiest, what makes them feel the most comfortable. For me personally, it's a sweet spot of kind of having one thing in mind for each day that I want to do and then building in leisure time, wandering time around that. And, you know, in the past, I've kind of had this romantic idea that I can just organically wander the streets and I'll find myself in that special cafe or that kind of hidden gem underground bar or something like that. But I think it's, it's helpful to set yourself up a little bit to like put yourself in the right place. So again, knowing a neighborhood where there's a lot of what like you like going on a street that has like some good shopping and then giving yourself some unstructured time to wander um, is helpful. So I, I think it's a balance. I think just showing up without any pre-planning you might not have the spontaneous, really great time that you're imagining, but then over planning, you might regret not being able to pop into that cool cafe. I think that you just defined wandering mindfully. I yeah. love that. Like you have this direction, you have an understanding of the neighborhood so that you can then go into it and just be able to just take on it as if you just take it in and you can just wander and then find everything from there. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about these guidebooks, too, is because they might point out something to look for, you know, that's not necessarily a big museum or a famous church, but maybe in this neighborhood in Venice, there are a lot of the same sculptures in the walls or paintings on the wall, you know, like maybe the symbol of this neighborhood is a lion with wings, and if you look, the more you look, the more of them you'll see, so that's kind of a type of mindfulness that you can have visiting a place as well that adds, like, texture to your trip. Yeah, um, and absolutely. it isn't necessarily about like checking things off the list. And I think that we did carve out that time on our trip in Florence. Yeah, but you're good with that. I have friends who are like back to back to back when traveling. Yeah, Lauren has a close, one of her best friends. She just loves to pack her days, and I think it just is just a good reminder that we should pick travel companions who kind of are move at the same pace. So that you know you you're both happy on the trip in that sense. I was about to say that I think you. You know, you can be best friends with the person, but just not great travelers. And it's good to kind of think those dynamics through before planning a trip with someone. Um, and then sometimes people that you're not as close to, you just have the same pace and they make the best travel companion. 
but it's something to think through. You know, what are the potential conflicts that <laughs> you might have if you're going on a trip with someone for the first time? Oh, absolutely. Or you could go on a trip with that person, but then divide your days. Be like, hey, I'm doing this this day, and I'm doing this this day, and then mm-hmm. meet at the end of the day, right? Yeah, you can separate, which sometimes works out, too, if you want to go get lost on your own. Right, safe. and, you know, no, nothing personal. Exactly, exactly. I think that one of the problems with uh, traveling without a plan is that you go on vacation, you come back and need a vacation. I feel like everybody I speak to, like, oh, I just got from vacation, but now I need one. <laughs> I think I used to be able to take the red eye home and go to work on a Monday. Yeah. And now I, I pack in that extra day um, before the end of the trip to just, you know, recharge a little bit. So you do take weekend. a buffer day then. <laughs> I highly recommend it. So I understand that you've done a lot of traveling through Europe as a student. That's what I've read. And especially during your college years, you were in Spain and England. From those experiences, can you provide a few tips on how to save time and money when traveling? Sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a lot of things we've been talking about, just doing some pre-planning, you know, not just showing up is really helpful. And one of the biggest time sucks, I think, when you're traveling is not knowing how to get to and from certain places. You know, things that you take for granted um, at, in your home base, near your home airport, you know, like what's the best way to get from the airport to the city center? Um, not knowing the answer to that question often causes a lot of delays and then maybe spending money on a really expensive cab ride that you wouldn't have had to if you knew it was really easy to like take the train or something like that. So I think putting in that footwork first of just knowing the broad outlines of how to get to and from and how much it's going to cost can save you like a world of stress and a world of trouble. And then, I mean, I think that's really like my biggest recommendation is those things that you don't think about because you're so excited about all the fun stuff and, uh, you know, you don't want that to be the memory of your trip. <laughs> yeah, well, Laura and I actually, we were successful in terms of developing a budget before we went to Florence, Italy. Yeah. Like, we went through everything. We're like, okay, so these are, like, for example, the flights, starting with the flights, then going into the train rides, then going into the hotels or the Airbnbs that we booked, and then going from, okay, so we're approximately going to spend this amount of money on our meals. So we're estimating how much we're spending. And a lot, of, a lot of the time, what's great about traveling with a friend is that you can split all your meals, and it, that was super helpful. Yeah, that was. So for us, we were able to really travel through. We went to Rome, Florence, and Venice, and we really did it on a dime. And we had an amazing time. And traveling on a dime, like, we were still enjoying amazing experiences. So, Yeah, that's, I mean, one specific tip I like to give about food is lunch. I don't know if you guys experienced this on your trip, but... If you go to a restaurant that, you know, is maybe a little bit nicer, but they have a lunch menu, you can often eat really, really well um, for like half the price of you would, as you would pay for dinner. And then for dinner, just mm-hmm. go to the grocery store, see what the local grocery is like, buy like a loaf of bread and eat it on a bridge overlooking the river. You know, I think uh, you can eat really, really well in a lot of places in Europe without spending a ton of money. And it's so nice going into the grocery stores and like, picking up the cheeses and the fruits and like getting a nice bottle of wine. And some, we like would just sit and open our balcony doors in um, Italy and just have wine. And it was, it was so nice. Like that to me is the culture is like going and 
that made me feel like we were living like locals. Lauren went to the local grocery store. The wine is so cheap in Europe. It's cheap. cheap. She brought a couple bottles and then she bought all these cheeses. She loves her charcuterie board. So she did like a cheese, cheese and meat board. And it was just so nice. We actually, especially like staying in Airbnbs, I highly recommend too, because you really feel like you're living like a local there. It was when we were in Italy that there was a guy right across from us in our Airbnb and we're like, oh, where are you visiting from? And he's like, Toronto. We're like, what? <laughs> it was crazy. Like we all ended up being within walking distance of each other back home. So. Oh, wow. Wait, so you guys are from Toronto as well? Yeah. We're from Toronto. We all yeah. Like, That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's so you funny. Canadians really get around. I have to say, whenever I'm traveling, there's always a Canadian nearby. Oh, Yeah. 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 yeah, we're all over the place. <laughs> we do love to travel. We definitely love to travel, but then we also love to come home. Mm-hmm. So there's it something nice about coming home. home. Yeah. yeah, that's such a beautiful thing. Although the beauty about traveling, and I always I always encourage people to travel as much as they can, especially in their early years um, before the demands of life follow. Mm-hmm. But uh, because you, you, you really learn a lot about other, other places, other cultures, and in those experiences, you learn a lot about yourself. So I always encourage people to go and travel and live outside of their comfort zone and all those things. But at the same time, it's also nice to be able to build some type of structure once you get there so that you're not completely lost. Because I think a lot of us, we're like, oh, you know, like especially for our listeners who maybe feel lost and they just want to get away and travel. Like, yeah, you, you can do that. But then even when you're there, you still need to kind of build your day-to-day and build out a structure. So, so I think that's right. I think, you know, most of my friends are, are planners in, in their daily life. You know, they put so much structure into their days. and They have goals and hobbies, like long-term and short-term things that they want to do. And then sometimes they go on vacation and they just kind of expect the world to uh, give them a good time. Which would be amazing, but I actually I think it's true. I think if you just put a little effort into kind of shaping your trip, structuring your time, I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, second by second, it, you're, you're going to get more out of it. So just kind of putting a little bit of mindfulness and effort into a trip before you go can make it all the, much, all the more better. Yeah, it's literally sim- as simple as asking yourself, hey, like, what do I want out of this experience in this trip? Like for Lauren and I... Like, I'd love to actually hear from you, Lauren, like from that trip that we took in Italy last year. Like, what was your goal? Um, I'm a huge wine person. So we did wine tastings there. So that was probably my favorite part. And we did, like, that was, I guess, my overall goal just to go and see and get away. Check but, out the vineyards. But then we ended up doing an olive Grove, tour. Yeah. yeah, olive grove tour. Because we, we, I feel like I've done so many wine tastings where they take you through the process. But this, they took you through the process of making the olive oil and growing the olive trees. And I never knew any of that. And, like, getting to taste the fresh olive oil, that was amazing. And that was unexpected. Like, we knew we were going to do it, but I'd never done something like that before. So it is nice to just try something you wouldn't try or that you could never do at home. Like, we could never do that in Canada. Oh, no, absolutely. And I personally went because I just wanted a new experience because I used to live overseas. I lived in Hong Kong and Tokyo, and I also got the opportunity to live in Los Angeles. And when I'd been living in Toronto for so many years since those travels, travel experiences, and I thought to myself, oh, well, I just need to get away and just explore and 
you know, be in a different country, be outside of my comfort zone and just learn more about other, other cities and other cultures. So get some new pictures for Instagram. Yeah. New pics for Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All the social media that comes with traveling. So, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I'm actually, I'm taking a little break right now, which I think is really healthy, but it's interesting how we have to kind of deal with slash cover Instagram for these guidebooks. Um, you know, sometimes a place gets popular really because of social media. You know, it gets hyped because people take pictures over the same vista or, you know, in front of the same really cool mural. And we kind of have to figure out how to cover those things. Uh, because on the one hand, that's a great way to discover. You know, it's maybe bringing attention to beautiful places that wouldn't have traditionally been covered. Right. But then on the other hand, it, it can create this competitive aspect where, you know, oh, I, I just have to get that photo too. Um, and you sort of lose sight of why you're there in the first place. So it's an interesting balance that we we have to think about a lot when we're making these guidebooks. That's very, very well said. I never really thought about that. It's true. Sometimes we can be convinced that we need to be in these certain places and certain locations, certain destinations. It could be specific destinations too. And really, it's maybe not our first choice. And we really need to ask ourselves, like, is this the place that I really want to go to like is yeah there's been so many times things have blown up on Instagram like even like the sunflower fields and stuff they have those in Ontario and yeah, or just things like that people. they get so popular and people go to them and they're like it was not that great like it was really boring it's just Instagram activation <laughs> yeah, so that is. people get pulled in to take that gram right it's so interesting and wow. I mean sometimes these experiences can be really cool and really fun but you don't want to just you don't want to be a follower. You want to be able to create and plan your own path. And do your own thing, yeah. So. I think Instagram is so great for inspiration, you know, not just for travel, but for, you know, if you want to start cooking and, you know, you can see beautiful pictures of food and want to learn how to do that or any kind of hobby. So the inspiration part is great. But then, you know, if you're, again, if you're making it into like a competition or a checking off or trying to get certain numbers, then it just, it starts to get, you know, less fun, I think. And it, it makes you less mindful when you're traveling, especially. I find Instagram, especially if you're traveling for restaurants, if you can go on and actually see the pictures of the plates and the food and stuff, like, that's the, my favorite part of Instagram is mm-hmm. knowing what to order at a restaurant. Yeah, and just seeing it first, like, like as if you were there, which yeah. is really, really cool. Authors that I work with, that's how they... That's how they find new recommendations. They're like researching almost exclusively by geotags on Instagram, yeah. um, which I think is a really smart way to use Instagram. Yeah. Well, that's what it should be for. It's just kind of turned into like there's a lot of downsides to it. Um, speaking of social media and just photography in general, I find that because we are so connected virtually these days, we almost need to, we kind of feel like we have to take a zillion pictures when we're on vacation. But there's something beautiful, and we Lauren just read Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, yeah. and it's all about being in the present moment and enjoying the present moment. And I think that's something that a lot of us, you know, we get lost in these in these applications, thinking that we need to take pictures in every moment. But really, you just need to put your phone away and really soak it in. I know, I know, it's great to take beautiful photography and take a few pictures, but that doesn't need to be your entire trip, right? You really right. need to go and disconnect. Yeah, and I, I think guidebooks are actually good for that reason. Um, again, it's just maybe not something people are aged thing to do, pick up a guidebook before a trip, but 
It just means you don't have your phone in your hand the whole time. I mean, you might have a book in your hand instead. You might have your nose in a book. But um, there are just less chances to get pulled back into your life back at home in a guidebook versus carrying your phone around, which, you know, has all these potentials to post that picture that you just took to Instagram or um, are we sure we want to go to this restaurant? What if this one has better ratings? Um, A guidebook can kind of just keep you where you're at. Absolutely. And a lot of us will walk through these beautiful destinations with our head down and then we'll miss so many beautiful things. It's so sad to see. I've actually seen it when we were in Rome. Like this, this group of people, they're all looking down at their phones and like, wow, you just passed that beautiful scenery. You have no idea. Like, it's just so funny. Yeah, it's so true. Um, so for our listeners, you've, you've given us so much advice already, but for our listeners who are planning their next big trip, what advice would you give them before they begin? And what advice would you give your friends? Good question. Okay, so before you begin, you mean like, how do you pick where you'd like to go? Yeah, like the planning process. Yeah, um, I mean... So in terms of like inspiration, where you want to go, I encourage people just to like really, again, think about what it is that they like to do with your free time. So your example of, I like wine, so I'm going to Italy. Like that's great. Um, You know, if you're really into scuba diving and so you want to go somewhere in the Caribbean or maybe one of the islands in Indonesia, that's great too. But kind of instead of feeling like, oh, I haven't been to Paris yet, so I really have to check that off, really thinking about what it is you like can result in a much better trip. You know, I've gone, so in Paris is a good example. I've been to Paris and then gone to the Louvre with a friend. And we left and I was like, oh, what do you think? And she said, oh, I don't really like art museums, but that was fine. <laughs> and I'm like, well, why do we even go? You know, you can trust yourself to plan a trip based on who you are and what you like, rather than just feeling like, well, I have to go to Paris and I have to go to the Louvre. So that's my advice for starting to pick a place. And then once you have picked a place, One of the first things I like to do is just look at a map, which sounds a little bit strange, but just having, you know, 10 minutes of kind of looking at something on Google Maps, moving it around a little bit, seeing what's where, knowing where some landmarks are, what major streets are, it helps you so much once you're on the ground, and you'll be surprised how much you recognize, too, from just looking at that map, and it can just help you avoid that lost feeling and overwhelmed feeling once you get to a place. So smart. Uh, one of the things I love about what everything you're saying is that, and everything that you do for these travel books is that you really focus on personalizing your experience. And I think that's what we want. We want unique personalized experiences. And I think a lot of the time when we when we travel, we again, we get lost in what we should be doing, or we go with somebody who maybe has a plan, but then you don't. And so, so it's really important to step back and ask yourself what you really want to take away from the vacation. And also do the research, and especially with the help of these guides, which I love now, you can really indulge in unique experiences that you can then apply to your experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. No need to overplan, but just, you know, some planning. Exactly. Not to, like, nail yourself down to every moment of every day, but... A little bit of groundwork makes your trip better, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I love the fact that you guys make room for wandering, because uh, I think that's something that we forget about when we go on vacation. And Lauren and I specifically love our downtime on vacation, love to explore, but we love to divide our days so that we can relax, especially Lauren, she loves her naps, <laughs> relax, and then maybe read a book and just take it in. All of your all of your writing and all of your research in these guides really focuses heavily on that, which is fantastic. So, yeah. 
And even just doing things you do at home, like going to a coffee shop and reading, but going to a coffee shop in Italy and reading is a completely different experience. Like, like why can't we do that? Yeah, we never just do yeah, that. People never think to do what you do at home, but somewhere else, and it's just so much more amazing. Yeah, I think these Ambiana guides especially, I mean, checking off the, the really like major bucket list type destinations is a great way to travel too. I mean, these places are famous for a reason, but... I think something that really comes out in the MPI guides is what the stories that you end up telling again and again when you come home usually aren't of, you know, seeing the Eiffel Tower. Usually it's that kind of spontaneous moment that you had in a local bar, um, like some interaction with, with another person who lives there. Those are the stories that you remember and the things that you bring home with you. Absolutely. Basically, you you guys encourage, like, kind of crafting or building our own memorable experiences, yeah. which I like. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I wonder where we're going to go next, Lauren. I want to go to New York again before Christmas. Oh, I know. It's so New beautiful. New York Christmas there. is beautiful. I know. It's I haven't done it. so beautiful. And we will have to let you know when we're back on the West Coast. We've been there a few times together, so. Yeah, please do. Yeah. And, you know, if you have any ideas for future guidebooks, we're always open to that kind of feedback, so. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thanks so much again, and hopefully we'll speak with you soon. Yeah, yeah thank, great talking to you, too. Thank, thank you so much, and thank you for the guidebook. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing, amazing. I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right, have a great day, and we'll talk soon. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. That was our conversation with Megan Anderla, a fellow millennial and the editor of Moon Travel Guides about how to travel with intention. You can learn more about these guides in our show notes. And if you haven't already, you can follow us on Instagram at Millennial Minimalists. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.